Good morning. We'd like to welcome you here to the Houghton Wesleyan Church as we come together as God's people to fellowship with one another and with him and to sing our praises and to learn more about him. Please stand and join us as we sing together our praises. Should gain any 
Father, we give you the highest praise. You are the great God who rescues us, redeems us, and promises us life. We pray that our worship today would indeed reflect our glorious praise of you and who you are and our thanksgiving. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. There are just a few things that I want to uh, highlight in the bulletin. 
Uh, you'll notice that uh, we're going to be uh, there's a program with the children's choir in June, and rehearsals are beginning, so we encourage you uh, to include your children in that if you can. Uh, there are also, obviously, a number of prayer concerns. Uh, please note that um, next Sunday we begin a different worship schedule with services at 8.30 and 11, and uh, that changes from the schedule we've had over the number of months. So just note that worship schedule change. Also, there's an insert in your bulletin about a fundraising dinner, uh, May 19th, and we encourage you to help out with that and to help us as we raise money uh, for the Well Project. Also, uh, the ballot is posted around for our elections on the 19th of May, and we're also putting together a a photo booklet of people who are on the ballot. Thought we might have that done today, not quite finished, but we'll have a digital copy of that ready either tomorrow or Tuesday. And you can access that online, and we'll also have printed copies in the office and have them available next Sunday as well. And there's other information there about uh, the vision meeting and the budget. I encourage you to take a look at that also. We also, uh, it's been our practice for a while to to spend a few moments on this particular Sunday before uh, commencement at the college to uh, pray for our college graduates. And so if you are a, a graduate this morning, I'm going, to ask you to, uh, to, I'm going to ask you to come and stand down front here, and then I'm going to ask those who would like to to come and gather around them. So if you're a, gradu- a college graduate, please come on down front. I don't know if we have a few here this morning. Uh, if you want to come on down, anybody here that's a graduate? There are others? Yeah, okay. I know that I saw a couple up there, I know. Good. Come on down. And those of you who would, uh, would, be, would like to, please come and gather around them. We'll lay hands on them, and uh, we're going to pray for them. There's a couple more graduates coming here, too. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate the life of every graduate standing before us here today and and all of the graduates. We thank you for every person who's influenced them and taught them, who has modeled Christ-like faith for them. Thank you for their families, for everyone who's supported them and has brought helped to bring them to this significant moment in their lives. Thank you for the ways in which they have enriched us in this church, even as we have sought through your spirit to enrich them through this church. As each graduate moves to a new stage of life, fill them with the gift of your Holy Spirit, with the gift of laughter and happiness. May they have joyful memories that will sustain them and the blessing of friendships that have been made that will continue to inspire them. We pray that you will watch over them and give them strength as there is some sense of sadness in knowing that something that has been a wonderful and important part of their lives is coming to an end. But we pray also that you would infuse them with excitement about what lies ahead. Walk with them wherever they go. Teach them to live in the power of your love and to use the gifts that you've given them for good in this world. Fill them with love for others. 
because they have experienced your love for them. May all of this be possible because they have received and embraced your love for them. Most of all, Father, may each graduate remember that you do not change. You who have been faithful to them through the years of their education and their lives, let them know your faithfulness in every day forward. We pray your richest blessings upon each of them, and we ask it through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you. In each of our services this morning, we have people who are joining into the membership of the church. We have some who are joining in this service. I'm going to ask those who are joining to come and stand down down front here. Christ, who loves the church, gave himself for the church. He is the head of the church. He calls the church his body, his bride. And it is one of the great privileges of being a part, being a follower of Christ, is being a part of his church. And as a part of his church, we are connected to each other. Each person standing before you here today and those who will stand here in other services testify to having a living and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they have chosen to connect themselves with this particular branch of Christ church. As a final step in this process, they are declaring their commitment to Christ and his church and to this group of Christ followers. Do you believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son, suffered in your place on the cross, that he died but rose again, and that he now sits at the Father's right hand until he returns to judge all people at the last day? Do you believe in the Holy Scriptures as the inspired and inerrant Word of God? Do you believe that by the grace of God, every person has the ability and the responsibility to choose between right and wrong, and that those who repent of their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are children of God? And do you believe that God makes us holy, filling us with love and providing for our growth in grace at every stage of our spiritual life, enabling us through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to live a victorious life? If so, answer, this I believe. Do you have the witness of the Spirit that you are a child of God? If so, answer, I do. Through your intention and action, is it your desire that God would make you holy in every part of your life and being? If so, answer, yes, it is. Is it your practice to be directed by the word of God in your relationship with God and with others? If so, answer, it is. Do you accept our membership commitments and elementary principles as biblical guidelines for your conduct? Do you accept the authority of the discipline of the Wesleyan Church in matters of church government? If so, answer, I do. Do you recognize your obligation to God and to the church? to participate in the life of the church, to contribute to the support of the church, and to serve the church by using your gifts and abilities as the church fulfills its mission in the world? If so, answer, I do. 
I'm going to ask them to turn around and face you. And I've asked uh, one of our elders to take a moment and introduce uh, these two couples to you. So I'll ask you guys to come. And actually, we're going to need some way to magnify your... Actually, i got a mic right here. Uh, it might be easier down there. Of course, I don't have a way to turn it on. That would be an issue, wouldn't it? Yeah, you can just stand here, maybe. We didn't practice. We didn't think this quite through all the way, right? Um, I'm introducing Jess and Dan Wardinger. I've known them for a long time, and it's uh, nice to see them join the church this morning. They're also joined, some of you have seen in the uh, pews back there. Adeline is age four, and Elliot is two. And some of you might be able to tell that they're expecting another one here uh, shortly. (laughs) Just in case you didn't know. Uh, Dan's currently a music teacher at Cuba Rushford School, and he's an adjunct uh, faculty member at Houghton College. He's taught a number of classes up there. Jess has been making a long commute up to Penyan every morning, where she teaches in the elementary school. Uh, they've both attended Houghton for almost eight years now. Most of you have probably seen Dan uh, with the bass guitar strapped around his neck up here in the worship band, uh, where he's at quite a bit. Jess participates with a women's small group Bible study. Both of them have been small group leaders and hosts for a number of years now. You guys have had that group for quite a while. Uh, You've probably seen both of them in the nursery and as well as Sunday school. And as near as we can tell, they're joining by a profession of faith this morning. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm introducing uh, Suli and Kristen Sanisith. Um, I'm sure their faces are not new to you. They've been here for many years. In fact, they, uh, when they moved back uh, into town in 2002, um, they, they started a- attending the church. Um, and Suli obviously grew up in the church, and um, I, I think everybody probably knows who he is. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you know their, fan, their, their, their kids. Um, they have uh, Leighton, who's the oldest, Carson, and then, and then Kaylin. And if you didn't know, uh, you have to be expecting a child in order to become a member of this church, apparently, because they, too, also are, are uh, expecting a baby December 5th. So, um. uh, Suli currently works uh, as a prevention educator for the Allegheny Council, and uh, Kristen is a marketing coordinator and account executive at IVR Technology Group. Um, they they bounced around to different churches between 2002 and about 2000 um, maybe 2009, and then they started attending regularly maybe the last three years. And they finally decided that that now is a good time to uh, become members because they they no longer feel like they're they're just attending the church, but they feel like this is their church and they feel like this is their home. So um, the ministries they're they're looking to be involved in, which they're kind of already involved in, are uh, Suli's looking at would like to be involved with a youth group. And Kristen uh, is interested in the praise band, which she is in regularly, um, the college ministries team. And uh, she uh, is currently working with the church as the administrator for the, the table project, uh, which should be coming about in the next few months. Um, they're joining as a profession of faith. Thank you. I'm going to ask those who are members of the church to stand and to affirm your support of them by uh, sharing together the words that uh, will be on the screen here. We, the members of this church, receive you to our communion and fellowship 
as beloved brothers and sisters and promise to walk with you in love, to instruct, counsel, admonish, and cherish you, and to watch over you with all patience, gentleness, and love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of Christian fellowship, for joining together in one body all those who believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for these who this day are becoming a part of this local church. And we pray that you will grant to them strength and grace that they will need to fulfill the vows that they have made. We pray that you will bind all of our hearts together in your holy love, that we may help each other and encourage each other and be there for each other, that together we may love one another, we may share the truth of Christ with this world, and that we may be followers as the church, representing you and your kingdom to a needy world. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness upon us, and we pray your blessing upon these who join in all of us today. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to ask them at the end of the service to come back up front, and I want to encourage you to take a moment to to, uh, welcome them, to greet them uh, following the service later this morning. This time we're going to ask the ushers to come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed for Children's Church. Your love never changes There may be 
like to use the altar rail as a place where you come and pour out your heart, your prayers, your words of thanksgiving and praise to God, please come and join me. Father, we want to give you thanks today that in your mercy and grace, you do indeed work all things for our good. We don't always see it. We don't always understand the path that is getting us there. 
we sometimes struggle to believe it. But today we want to acknowledge that in your grace and mercy, in your sovereign power, you are always working things for our good. That is the context in which we come and pray today. We pray for the burdens and the concerns that are on our hearts because we believe you're working all things for good. We offer praise and adoration and worship because we believe you're working all things for good. We declare that you are the almighty God and we offer all of our worship because we believe you're working all things for good. So this morning, Father, as we pray for those who are grieving, we pray for your hand of mercy and love and goodness upon them. As we pray for all who are struggling with illness and disease, with pain, We know that you are working for their good. As we think about those who are wrestling with the future, wrestling with the next stage of life, wrestling with the troubles and the hurts and the pains of life, we pray for them knowing that you are at work for their good. Father, as we pray for the world, as we pray for peace in the midst of violence, as we pray for, for those who are struggling just to survive, we pray for each one knowing that you are working for their good. Father, we want to thank you for hearing our prayers hearing the prayers that relate to us personally, for prayers for those we love, for prayers for this world. Thank you for hearing our prayers and for working for our good. Through your infinite wisdom, your infinite power, and your infinite love. We offer all of our prayers through Christ. Our Lord, our Savior, our coming King. The one who teaches us the model for prayer, which today we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture reading from today is from... Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. You can also find it in page 1116 in your pew Bibles. 
What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. stand and sing with us. Thank you. 
The celebration of Easter is not just one day. In the early, in the church, the church fathers, as they put together the calendar, realized that Easter is so pivotal, so important to what it means to, to be the church, that Easter is a season of 50 days. I find it interesting that in most evangelical churches, we don't celebrate the season of Easter. Evangelical churches have begun more and more celebrating the season of Lent, but we and then we celebrate Easter Day, and then we move on to other things. And, and the reality is that that ought to be the high point for us. We ought to be celebrating Easter more and more all the time because it, it is the apex, it's the culmination of what it means for Christ to be our Savior. The cross only has meaning because he rose from the dead. And, and it's intriguing to me that in the, in the ancient church, the, the, the ritual was that during Lent, when you prayed, you knelt as a sign of penance. But on Sundays in Lent, you stood. You stood in celebration because every Sunday is a mini-Easter. Every Sunday is a re-celebration that Christ is alive. 
And for some reason, we miss that. I, I wonder sometimes if it's because when we think about penance, when we think about asking forgiveness, that's sort of what we do. And it's something we can control, but celebrations can get out of hand. Celebrations can get a little bit out of control, and and we like control. And yet God is calling us to be people of joy and celebration. One writer I read recently said that Christians ought to find every way possible to celebrate. We ought to be throwing parties all over the place because we are people of the resurrection. And too often, our focus is not on the resurrected Christ, it is on the crucified Jesus. And as important as the cross is, it is Easter. It's the resurrection that defines us as Christ followers. And we wrestle with that. We wrestle to be people of joy. We get enamored with our sorrow. When I, when I do a baptism class, I, I ask the, the class, and it, it's often uh, children who are part of the class, and I ask them, what are some ways that we use water? And, of course, they talk about how we drink it, and they talk about how we use it for baths or showers. And, and I talk about how those, those are great symbolisms of, of what baptism is, is symbolizing and that Jesus, as the living water, changes us and gives us life. And, and in baptism, we are declaring that. And, and Christ cleanses us from our sins. And, and the idea of uh, Paul, you talked about being dead in our sins and raised to life. And in baptism, we're under the water and taken up out of the water and that cleansing nature of baptism. And then I try to explain that to them and help them understand that. And invariably, one of them will sort of sheepishly say, uh, well, we also use it like to go swimming. And they, and, they, and they sort of say it because it doesn't sound very spiritual and it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but it's what we do. And I say to them, that's exactly right. And we need to, that, that's a great thing to say because water is used for fun. We go swimming, we run through the sprinkler, we have water balloon fights. We have all, do all these things with water that, that's fun. And I talk with them about how baptism symbolizes not just cleansing and life, but also the joy that ought to be at the center of every Christ follower. Every Christ follower ought to be defined by joy. Jesus says he comes to give us abundant life. He says, I want for my followers to to live a life of joy. Even when everything around them may be crumbling inside, there's a sense of joy. And when I read the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, and I read about Jesus and I see Jesus interacting with people, it's not a coincidence that people are attracted to Jesus. And it's not just because he is a teacher with great authority. Something about his personality attracts people to him. Something about this essence of joy in his life. And, I, and it's one thing for adults to see that. It's a whole different thing for children to see that. When I see children flocking to Jesus, as we get glimpses of in the Gospels, that tells me that Jesus is living a life of joy. Because children like to be around people who are happy. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount begins talking about happy are those, happy are those, happy are those. The Christian life ought to be about joy because we are resurrection people. 
See, the resurrection isn't just about heaven to come and eternal life, as awesome as that's going to be, as we've been talking the last few weeks. It is also about how we live now. And that's a part of what Paul is telling us in this passage from Romans chapter 6. And he says to us here that the, the, the followers of Christ, the life of Christ is not just about someday, it's about now. And it's about living in the power and the joy and the victory of Christ now. And he says in, in Romans chapter 6 that one of the ways that that, should, what that should look like in our lives is that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are free. And for the people of Rome to whom he writes this, they understand slavery. You know, many of the people to whom he writes are slaves. Others are slave owners. They see what happens in society with slaves. And unfortunately, there are still far too many people in our world now that are slaves. And slavery is defined by shame and despair and hopelessness and helplessness and vulnerability. And people are trying to get out of being slaves. And and Paul says... As followers of Christ, you're not slaves to sin. You are free in Christ. He writes to the Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sometimes as we read this passage, we, the question comes up, is Paul talking about, is he equating freedom in Christ with sinlessness? And there are people through the, through the ages who have declared that if you're in Christ, then, then not only... Do you not sin, but you don't even, you're not even tempted to sin? And I don't think that's true. Jesus was tempted to sin. I don't think Paul is saying you can't sin. He's just saying you don't have to be chained to sin. You don't have to be slaves of sin. You can be free from sin. You know, every so often, you know, as we talk about this whole concept, we... We typically skew that one way or the other. Either we get, either we, we skew it to the sense that we say, well, it's impossible to sin anymore. Or we skew it the other way to say we're just stuck in our sins. We'll never be out of them. We might as well just deal with it. We're always going to be slaves to sin. There's nothing we can do about it, so let's just live with it. And Paul is trying to help us understand that's not the case. I've been intrigued for a long time by something that William Sangster said. He was a British Methodist pastor back in the earlier part of the 20th century. And he said this. He said, it is audacious to say that God can make us holy like himself. And then he added, it is even more audacious to say that he cannot. And God's plan for his children is freedom. Unfortunately, sometimes freedom frightens us. Sometimes we, we have lived in the, under the chains of sin so long that to think to live without it actually frightens us. Ever so often you hear a story about someone who has spent a number of years in prison and they're released. And, and they get out of prison and, and they don't know what to do. They've lived in prison so long, they don't know how to exist in freedom. 
And, and you hear these stories about people who, who are, feel so insecure and so uncertain about living that way that they commit some kind of petty crime and they make sure that they get caught so they can go back to prison. Because they feel a sense of security in what they know. Even though it means prison. And we think, why would anybody do that? It's crazy to think that someone would actually want to live that way. And yet, when we're honest, sometimes we make that choice. Sometimes we choose the security of being slaves to sin over the insecurity we may feel of freedom in Christ. It's like the difference between a lion in a zoo and a lion in the wild. A lion in the zoo is taken care of, makes sure they have food every day, they're protected. They are the center of attention for everybody who comes to the zoo. But out in the wild, they might get food, they might not. They might be hunted down. There, there, might be, there are predators out there that, that, that puts them at risk. And you might think, well, the lion would be is safer in the zoo, and that's probably true, but that's not what lions were created to do. Lions were created to be free, even though it means risk, even though it means a, some sense of, of insecurity compared to being in the zoo. And we were created to be free. We were created to to not be slaves to sin, but to be free from sin. Does that mean we'll be perfect? Not by any means. We will struggle with sin every day of our lives. God's best people struggle with sin. You go back through the scriptures and and you see it over and over again. You look at Noah. Noah is, is described as someone who walks with God. And he has this awesome experience of the ark. And yet at the end of the story... He gets drunk and there's this really bad scene. You go, really? Wow. You think about Abraham who who says, you know, is a man of great faith. And yet there are at least two occasions recorded for us when Abraham puts his wife Sarah at risk in order to protect himself. And there's Moses. Moses who leads the people out of Egypt and goes up on the mountain and spends 40 days with God has his moments when he wants to be in charge instead of God and it ends up costing him the going into the promised land. And there's David, who is described as a man after God's own heart, who covets his neighbor's wife and commits adultery with her and ends up conspiring to murder her husband in order to cover it up. And there's Peter, who whom God says, you know, people don't have to be Jews first to become Christians. The Gentiles are okay. They can, they can be that just as they are. And Peter embraces that until some of the Jews come along and then he changes his tune and begins to put people under the thumb again. And Paul himself is so stubborn that his relationship with Barnabas is severed because Paul will not give in. And they argue so, so terribly that they go their separate ways. You think of more modern times, John Calvin, great theologian, great leader of the church, awesome man of God, assents to his enemies being persecuted 
and even martyred. And John Wesley, whom we trace our theological roots, a great man of God, writes these vitriolic pamphlets toward people that, quite frankly, are anything but Christ-like. And even more modern, Billy Graham, great man of God, talks about how in the days of when Richard Nixon was president, he got caught up in, in all that is the Oval Office and, and he was blind to things that were going on. God's best people struggle with sin. And that means you and I are going to struggle with sin. But we don't have to be slaves to sin. We were created to be free. And what does that freedom look like? Now, it's freedom... To be humble. It's freedom to be weak when we want to be strong. It's freedom to let other people have their way when we want to have our way. It's freedom to love when we really want to hate. It's freedom to forgive when we want to hang on. It's freedom to give of ourselves when we really want to take from others. It's the freedom of the Spirit of Christ. It is letting go of our lives and surrendering our lives. That's freedom. Because the the chains of sin are about self-centeredness and selfishness and power and getting what we want. That's what enslaves us. That's what can drive us. You think about the moments when you feel most enslaved to sin, I guarantee you it's about grabbing at something. It's about self-centeredness. It's about selfishness. It's freedom when we let go. It's freedom when we release and just surrender ourselves to Christ. And the answer to our chains is not in us. It's in Christ. We don't get free from our chains because we work harder or we try harder or we do more. It's only when we surrender our lives to Christ. It's only when we want what Christ wants. When we want the spirit of Christ filling us and changing us And the freedom comes not so we can do what we want. The freedom comes so that we can do what Christ wants. And it's far less about obeying rules as it is a passion for loving and a passion for surrendering, a passion for giving up because that's Christ. The resurrection is possible only because Christ died. And Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that that Christ who sacrificed himself and gave himself up is then exalted. And that pattern is true for you and me. The path to freedom is surrender. 
surrender to Christ who changes us. I just finished recently reading uh, one of Brennan Manning's devotional books called uh, Souvenirs of Solitude. And in the, in the epilogue of, of this book, he writes these words. Perhaps somewhere in these pages, the Lord asks something of you that's driving you out of your mind. Maybe he gently invited you to let go of some attachment so that you might have more of him. Be at peace. Whatever it is, you can't will it, disavow it, or empty yourself of it. It is only the power of a presence, the compelling attractiveness of a person, the irresistible loveliness of Jesus Christ that can set you free. I grew up all of my first 18 years in the church. My dad was a pastor, and you know, I want to say that I probably spent more, more time in the church than I did in my home, but that's not quite as true. But you know, all of my life was centered around the church. All of my, everything I thought about was centered around the church. Everything that I knew was centered around the church, and it's a great gift of God. When I went away to college, I did what a lot of students do, decided that maybe I wanted to back away from the church. And of course, that also meant, quite frankly, backing away from God. And the first few months that I was in college, I really had very little to do with the church and, and God as well. One of the things that God used to change me was being involved in a musical production of Pilgrim's Progress. This was a, a, a jazz musical, actually, and it was written by a gentleman named Ted Nichols, who at the time was the musical director for Hanna-Barbera Cartoons. Now, this guy came to help us with this musical, and right away he had celebrity status. I mean, the guy knew Fred Flintstone. You know, I mean, this was awesome, you know. And, and he, it was, you know, he, he was a great music writer, and, and, so, and, I, and I was cast as the lead, as Pilgrim, in this musical. And I can distinctly remember the last performance. During all the performance, I wore this heavy backpack. And if you know about this allegory of Pilgrim's Progress, is the burden that Pilgrim carries. And it was symbolized by a backpack that I wore throughout the, the whole production. As I went through the various elements of struggle and ups and the downs of Pilgrim's journey, trying to, trying to make his way and failing very often. And we got to this last scene, and I was standing in the middle of the stage, and all the people were surrounding me who represented all of the places I had been on the journey. All of those who were tempting and and causing me to struggle, and, and all the things that they represented wrestling with God. And I was in the middle of the stage, and they were all surrounding me, and they were spinning me around in a circle, and the lights were flashing, the music was blaring, and it was just this chaotic moment. And all of a sudden, it all stopped. And I fell to the ground. The music stopped. The lights went out. Everyone disappeared, and there was just silence. And in the darkness, 
just silence. And then I began, I got up on my knees and realized that the pack was gone. And the very last words of the production were the words of Pilgrim's wife off in the background calling out, Christian, Christian, where are you, Christian? And it was like in that moment, it was not Pilgrim's journey, it was mine. And all of the stuff that I felt on me about what it meant to be a Christian, all of the stuff that was enslaving me about my life was released. And it wasn't because I did it. It was because there was just this surrender, just like Pilgrim, just sort of falling down and surrendering. And in that moment, my life changed. And I became a different person. And I don't know if anybody else realized it, but I walked off that stage a different person. And throughout the rest of my life, I've had a lot of those kinds of moments. When I had to say, Lord, I just need to surrender this thing to you this attitude, this issue, this struggle. And I know that continues. But I've learned that it's in that surrender that the freedom comes. And I don't know what pack you may feel on your back this morning. I don't know what the thing may be for you. What's chaining you? What's enslaving you? But the answer is not working harder. It's not trying to tear it off yourself. It is surrender. In Manning's book, Souvenirs of Solitude, at the end of each chapter, he, he includes a poem by a friend of his named Sue Garmon. One of those poems just really grabbed me. And I've asked Jim Zoller to share it with us this morning. Lord, I think maybe... You're getting me accustomed to the idea that I'm not an archangel. Of course, you know I'm not, and I know I'm not. But I must admit that periodically I, ha I try to behave as though I were. And most of my problems stem directly from that fact. I'd like to think I'm perfect with no limitations, impure motives, human weaknesses, everything under control and all together. And every time I catch myself thinking and behaving that way, life becomes not just burdensome, but horrendous. 
Lord, thank you for letting me know that I'm not perfect yet, but that you'll get me there if I let you. Thank you for reminding me that I'll never have it all together until we meet face to face. Lord, do archangels need you as much as I do? Father, thank you for setting me free, free to be poor, little, weak. Thank you for setting me free, free to be misunderstood, rejected, forgotten. Thank you for setting me free, free to be unsatisfied, empty, stripped. Thank you for setting me free, free to break through, let go, enter the flame. Father, thank you for setting me free by binding me more closely to yourself. In this moment of silence, is there something that God is desiring to set us free from? Father, surrender is hard for us. And sometimes freedom frightens us. But freedom in you is joy, even though it's surrender. And it's happiness, even though it's weakness and sacrifice. Give us grace to surrender. Through the power of Christ Jesus. Amen. I'd like for you to do me a favor as the worship team's coming up. I'd like for you to do me a favor If there's something that you, either this morning now or maybe as you contemplate this week, that you have have surrendered to Christ and you have felt a, a little bit more freedom, you don't have to tell me what it's about, but just jot me a note. Send me an email, something through the mail, drop something off. I think it it always helps us to to mark those moments and to acknowledge those moments. And I will pray for you. I would love to hear from you about what God is doing in your life as he works in us together. Let's stand and sing together. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears. 
the pleading sacrifice in my behalf appears before the throne my surety stands before the throne my surety stands my name is written on his hands for me to intercede. Is all redeeming love, His precious blood to plead. His blood atoned for all our race. His blood atoned for all our race. And sprinkles out the ask the couples who have joined to come down front. I'll encourage you to take a moment to greet them. Receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.